You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special Modern Web Podcast. I'm so excited because we are here today at Connect Tech recording Modern Web Podcast live in person. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leap, and I am joined by my co-host today. Hi, I'm Dustin Goodman, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Dustin S. Goodman. Yes, Dustin is a good man, which is actually should be your Twitter handle. I know, but it, it's hard to get. It's difficult. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and we are so excited here because we have a very special guest, one of the speakers, Roy Dirks. Roy, nice to see you in the flesh. Yeah, thanks. Happy to be here. Yes, we're so excited. And um, what are you talking about today? Uh, GraphQL, as always. So I yes. did a workshop yesterday. Yes. How was it? I talked today. It was great. It was great. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you enjoying yourself here? Yeah, a lot. So I was actually telling the organizers, I've been in Atlanta quite some times, but I never went outside of the airport. Oh my gosh. Well, the airport is the least exciting place, so we're excited you get to kind of explore a little bit. But it's hopefully, one of the busiest places. <laughs> yeah. Have people been telling you to like eat fried chicken and things like that? Or um, well, I didn't eat waffles and fried chicken yet, but I probably should. And I heard the barbecue is also really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, I think it's a Korean barbecue place a little far from here. I'll have to send you the link to it because I can't remember the exact I name. I think he was thinking American barbecue. <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's Atlanta. Like, we have decent barbecue here, but it's I not. mean, we have Korean barbecue in Amsterdam. I'm yeah. From, well, it's like a Korean place, but they actually do American barbecue. And oh. it's just really good. But I know what place you're talking about. Yeah. It's I, nearby. Right. That's why I'm thinking about yes. it. It's like five minutes from here. I just can't think of the name of it. I know, but. I'll, I'll look it up and send it to you, though. Very exciting. Sounds good. Well, cool. So getting into the meat of it, GraphQL, uh, one of the reasons Dustin is my co-host today is because he is also a lover of GraphQL and speaking about GraphQL at this conference, too. So twinsies. (laughs) (laughs) We're having fun in that way because I think Roy's talking about a lot of the precursor things that my talk's going to be founded upon. So like, I can't really even talk until he's done. I love that. Um, So it's going to be super exciting. And I'm excited to hear kind of what you're talking about today. You're talking about microservices, right? Yeah, so it's about how you can use GraphQL to bring together multiple sources. It could be microservices, could be other stuff. Are you, like, where are you, ta- I mean, spoiler alert, but the talk's in a little bit, nobody's in here right now, but uh, yeah. where are you taking your talk? Are you talking more, like, federated graphs, or are you talking more about, like, what, how steps in can help you do your federated? Um, well, everything, so I typically don't like to talk about one way to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll be going into schema stitching, into federation, into what we do with Stepsen. Um, but first, the first part will be nice to most people because it will be about microservices and what should be a microservice or it shouldn't. Because often people will end up with GraphQL to solve their problems for badly designed microservices, which in the end is something else you should fix a different way before <laughs> actually going into this whole path. So I will first be doing a microservices talk, like a one-on-one, actually so- see what microservices are and how people should use them. So where do you see most people making mistakes on microservices? Like, what are people making microservices that really shouldn't be? I always like to use this um, uh, this comparison between like, do you like oysters? I love oysters. You're talking to a man from New Orleans. I eat <laughs> too many oysters. I mean, I'm an I'm a oyster fan in general, but have you ever used the oyster knife? Mm-hmm. 
You probably know it's I don't only like good things. at yes. <laughs> yeah. It's only, only good at opening oysters. Maybe you like cheese. <laughs> I mean, you have cheese knives. That's true. And they're shitty at. Or in um, Amsterdam, they have those. Um, I went to a conference there, and they gave me like um, one of those special ones where like you cut it specially. Do you know what I'm talking ones? about? Yeah, like the one the where you where you um, I don't know you you like turn it in a circle and. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. that for sea urchins? <laughs> No, it's for cheese. It's oh, for cheese, yeah. <laughs> not oysters. Sorry, oh, no. I got confused. I'm it's sorry. probably more more French than than Dutch. Really? I'd say. Okay. But it doesn't I matter. It's the same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same comparison. It's, uh -huh. So that knife is probably only good at doing one thing, like mm -hmm. cutting this kind of cheese. If you try to, I don't know, slice bread or maybe some something else, it would be kind of hard. Mm -hmm. But microservice is the same. If you have a microservice that does one thing very well. You have a good microservice. If you start to do something else with it, um, it would be kind of shitty. So that's sort of my comparison. Would you like a, a Jeff's knife, which you can do basically anything with, unless you ask like actual Jeff, because they will know they have different knives for different uh, sorts of meats and those kind of things. But I usually like a kitchen knife can do anything, while a cheese knife or oyster knife can only do one thing. A microservice should be the same. You should be doing one thing and not a thousand. So are you seeing like a lot of people as they're developing their microservices like, oh, it does this one thing, but I'm also adding like three other features to it that maybe shouldn't be there? Yeah, so let's say you're building like a payment service. Um, it would be really easy to do one service for the payments. And at some point, someone will ask you, oh, can we put in subscriptions for this service? Can we put in like a CRM for uh, managing our customers? Could we maybe put this in there? And then if you have like a time pressure, it would be kind of hard to say no maybe and you start putting more stuff into your microservice uh, or maybe you don't really know how to split up things and then you end up with a microservice that does many things or maybe a monolith that's been split into multiple services that you call a microservice for some reason just because they independently deploy um, so yeah I see things going wrong quite often when you are talking to somebody who's like hey I'm gonna start doing a microservices project mm -hmm. um, do you have a technology that you're super thrilled to be like, oh, you should really consider using this technology stack? Um, I, I'll go first just to share, because I, uh, I have a template on GitHub that I have put a lot of time into, and I love it. And it's, um, it's a GraphQL public-facing API mm -hmm. um, federated to a bunch of Lambda-based um, microservices that are running in AWS Lambda. And yeah. I just have like, all the business logic inside of each of those different pieces, and I'm deferring the execution of the API to the GraphQL service. So, like the GraphQL service is like, oh, I need to go fetch users. Well, it can go get the users, but mm -hmm. it doesn't know that that logic itself isn't inside of my GraphQL service. It's delegated to the user service that knows mm -hmm. how to do it. So it's like all the requests are delegated to the appropriate way. I've thought about changing it so it's all federated. Um, conversation I'd love to pick your brain on sometime not right now maybe but like that that's my preference is like go build in lambda it's very easy to start up new services and do it that way but do you have something like that that you're like this is how I would go do it well I used to be really opinionated in saying you need to build everything with JavaScript or TypeScript or whatever your flavor is but nowadays I feel more like um, you can build it in whatever language you want uh, but if you don't get the design principles correctly in the beginning it will be a shitty service, no matter which technology you use. Um, so when speaking to engineers, I always feel like if you really like Java, why should you move somewhere else? If you really like JavaScript, why should you move somewhere else? 
I do think if you don't set the boundaries in the beginning and you start building your microservices or building any service, like what should the service do, what shouldn't it do, and maybe what else should we think about, uh, it will be, will be kind of hard to accomplish what you would like to accomplish. And GraphQL in that sense is perfect because you can use it with any programming language. I couldn't agree more, although that's not true yet. You can adapt it to any programming language, but not all programming languages are set up to use it. Uh, working on a client project where we're actually mm -hmm. adapting GraphQL for um, a proprietary language where it's like it's yeah. not open source, people haven't really built the adapters yet, so we're working with them to build their adapter. So not true yet, but it's all just RPC, so everybody I mean, can do it. It sounds like um, sounds like a nice uh, nice use case for building. It's so which programming language is it, if I may ask, if you could share? I don't know if I can share this one. Um, yeah, I mean, you can talk about, say, the language. Okay, yeah, it, it's, it's Lua. I, I had to look. I'd be like, uh, can I say it? Yeah, I guess I can. Uh, it's Lua. So they didn't have uh, a GraphQL protocol in Lua yet. Um, and so we actually helped create, we, we took the JavaScript spec, actually, yeah. um, the way they implemented it and just converted it to type Lua, um, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then we actually also created Apollo client for them because they were like, yeah, we need a, we, we have a, a React thing, a React-like thing. We want something that plays nice with that. We're like, oh, well, why don't we build Apollo client for you too? Uh, <laughs> and they're like, ah, now we have GraphQL. And it's like That's really cool. cool to see that, like it adopting in more ecosystems and frameworks. Like people actually like, oh, I really want it and I want to use it. But there's all this other, like there's barriers to entry for it in terms of like education, learning, yeah. but also tooling in a lot of ways. Like, And it's cool that we're starting to see, I mean, in this case, we're seeing Lua start to pick it up, but all the other technologies, like you could be working in Python, I can do a Python thing, I can do a Ruby mm -hmm. thing, I can go into Java, C Sharp, .NET, like take your pick and you can do GraphQL these days. It would be really interesting to see a talk around implementing the GraphQL spec for sort of niche programming languages or upcoming <laughs> mm -hmm. programming languages. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, you know, we've been hosting GraphQL Contributor Days um, for quite some time uh, through this dot for for many years now. I feel like, and um, in the very beginning, we were really trying to bring together, you know, all the different people using GraphQL. You know, in Ruby or mm -hmm. Ruby is the first one that comes to mind right now. Python and all these other ones. But it was interesting because I feel like the JavaScript community is the one that's really kind of like rallying around uh, pushing this, you know, I feel like yeah. other languages and other people who are implementing it are just kind of like, yeah, we do it, but like, we don't need to have conversations about it. And maybe that's because of like where GraphQL came from in a sense. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys, do you guys see other communities besides the JavaScript community, like really talking about GraphQL as much as we do? <laughs> I don't know, I feel in general like the JavaScript community is kind of vocal. Uh -huh. Things they like and they don't like, while maybe other programming language communities are a bit more focused on actually building stuff instead oh, of discussing so how to build stuff. Yeah, but that, that's kind of interesting, right? Because like, what if, what if like other communities are actually doing it way better than the JavaScript community, but they just like haven't talked about it? <laughs> So yeah. I was working with both the PHP and Ruby um, mm -hmm. groups on this at different points, and the PHP community loves GraphQL because a lot of their API situations just aren't great, and mm -hmm. there was a good adapter built, but the tooling still isn't 
as good as a lot of the kind of ecosystem tooling that we have in the mm-hmm. JavaScript mm-hmm, mm-hmm. area. Like, they don't really have a playground. They don't really have uh, introspection tooling. Like, they're building all of that themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ruby community, uh, at least the people I've talked to, are like, yeah, the GraphQL implementation is terrible. We don't want to use it. We're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we, we know what we're doing. We're doing server-side everything anyway. Like, it, they almost have a kind of the remix mentality of like, hey, I can shape exactly what I need in my controller and pass it into the view. And the client never has to deal with like all the extra data. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go, well, when you're executing JavaScript, which I know you're going to do at some point, how are you dealing with all the over or under fetch? Like, how are you dealing with all these edge cases, error handling? And they're like, the same way we always have. I'm like, okay, well, this is why you want GraphQL. This is, <laughs> this is why we're having this conversation. So I, I think with the JavaScript community as well, we're also very much focused on the web and mm-hmm. web performance. And I think when you talk about GraphQL, there's a huge kind of parallel conversation that's happening about web performance yeah. and like API request and making sure the client's not having to kind of suffer the downsides of your terrible API because you know you didn't optimize for the fact that they only needed two fields out of 100 that they're fetching from the API. And all of a sudden it's like you're on that 3G network in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere country and it's like oh yeah I don't I can't get it it's well, like <laughs> that tees me up for a really important question that I need to ask Roy which is true or false GraphQL solves all your web performance problems <laughs> what's well, a good question um, <laughs> well I don't think it does I do feel today GraphQL is more about data orchestration and modeling your data Although there's one aspect which I'm definitely gonna be creating a talk around it because it's like mm-hmm. under undervalued. Like we, like you said before, when you have like a terrible 3G connection, you don't want to push all this data to your um, to your users. We don't really think about it that although your data plan feels unlimited, it isn't really unlimited. I mean, if I send you more data, your battery is gonna drain faster. If you request more data, the data center is gonna be consuming more energy. So I feel that's something that's kind of underlighted when we push all these big REST APIs to people or we don't use GraphQL. We're pushing so many data to people that it feels okay because your uh, computer or your mobile phone is able to process it. But in general speaking, you're just wasting resources. It's almost as like uh, the new phones are coming out, the older phones are like, they're getting the new operating system updates and they're getting slower and slower because Mm -hmm. we're trying to pack more code uh, onto the devices because we can because there's more memory but in reality uh, we're still hurting those that are still on older devices it's it's the same concept and then you have the energy crisis and yeah, I'm not going to go there necessarily but it, it's that idea so basically yeah. like um, if we don't use GraphQL we're contributing to the global warming of <laughs> our entire world is that yes true or false so I, I, <laughs> I did a, a stretch <laughs> yes <laughs> I did a talk at JSConf in Budapest in June, and it was called How Your Bundle Size Can Save the Climate. I love that. I think I'm going to be adopting that to how GraphQL can save the climate. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I mean, we don't think about... Um, yeah, it's funny because we're like, oh, you know, the reason, the reason why your old phone is slower is because, uh, you know, you're using REST APIs and, you know, we're pushing so much more data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's not because Apple is like purposely making like the OS 
uh, crappier. They also did <laughs> every <that>. update. <laughs> they actually did do that. They got caught on that. There was a whole lawsuit. Like we, we so that was about a that real too. thing. That okay. was a real thing, and that was proven out. But yeah. no, it, it's like now when it's starting to happen, it's because we're pushing more more code onto the device. Because I mean, these new phones, it's incredible just yeah. how much memory and processing power. Like this is more powerful than my laptop I had. 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it uh, and for those that can't see what I'm holding it's an iPhone 13 um, and it's just kind of like hey this is super powerful how, how why are we pushing the limits of mobile technology this way and part of the conversation is we're building worse and worse server code and client <laughs> code and we're pushing more to the client because we like let's leverage it and uh, it's kind of the conversation uh, that the, the quick guys, the Astro guys, like it's, we're pushing too much JavaScript. We're pushing too much code to client devices. We need to start pulling back on how much code they're actually running. And we need to like, to Roy's point of like the data warehousing, the energy consumption, we need to reduce what we're doing and like actually delineate a little better. Or, okay, but like during your talk, you need to have like picketing science and things like that about like save the planet, and mm-hmm. you really have to like lean into this whole idea if you're going <laughs> to do a talk about it. Yeah, I mean it's what I did for my my other talks about your bundle size, and I feel like you said there is lots of great libraries fixing those kind of things. So there's plenty of people knowing way more about these things than than myself, but I know stuff about GraphQL, so yeah, it could be a nice next talk. Well, what do you think is like? the next step for GraphQL, like all -hmm. the conversations that are happening right now with the foundation. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you keep up to date on that stuff, but like, where do you see, where do you see the next, what, five, 10 years or even in the near future? Yeah. So I really like the working groups Mm -hmm. that are actually taking people from the community or from companies that sponsor the GraphQL foundation to be contributing to new specifications. Mm -hmm. And um, what I really feel should be a next step is like, uh, and I also covered this in my talk a bit, it's about a new specification for uh, for a federation, because now you've got multiple ways to do it. I mean, companies creating ways to do it. There is lots of naming it around things. it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope at one point there will be like a, uh, like a general convention so that people at least know what to expect. They don't have to explain like how we got from A to B to C. Or like we have this today. is called federation, but actually it's called this, but actually it's all the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and most of all, like, how do you call a federated graph? Is it like a super graph? Is it a a master graph? Do you have sub schema, sub graphs? Do you have compounded schema graphs? I mean, mm-hmm, you see so mm-hmm. many different naming, and it's just confusing for um, for developers. Yeah, yeah. It's almost kind of that conversation we had at the last GraphQL. Uh, it was the state of or contributor days. I can't remember which one, but mm-hmm. um, Lee was there and he was talking about, um, or not Lee, who am I thinking of? Doesn't matter. Uh, but he was talking about how Facebook, um, how they they did federation. It was like mm-hmm. GraphQL is just one service and everything behind it is doing RPC or REST or whatever made sense for mm-hmm. that service at the time. And they're just piping it all through like a singular super graph essentially. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was interesting, validated something I was doing, but it also is like, huh, that is a good approach, but should we actually take graphs and federate them more intentionally? So like mm-hmm. every single, because to, to your point about like data being passed around, like we're still passing a lot of data around on the servers now, but is there a way we can 
make it so we're reducing kind of the over the wire communication between service A and service B. Yeah. And GraphQL would absolutely be that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like this conversation. So I actually picked some of those things and used them in my talk as well. So the the general summary was, I think it was, it could be state of GraphQL or the GraphQL contributor days, but I don't really recall, but the, the general summary was there are two ways to do federation. You either, well, you either do federation by distributing the uh, responsibilities over different teams. So you have distributed teams, one team will be doing their GraphQL API, another team will do theirs, and then the federation is being done declaratively, meaning that not a single team is responsible for it, but all the teams are delegated to make sure things federate. And then it's the other approach, which I think Lee said they were using at Facebook, at which you have one team that's building a massive GraphQL API that is taking data from all the underlying teams. And there is a team responsible for this massive GraphQL API, which I don't think you really call it federation. You're just building a GraphQL API for data sources. Yeah, um, it's just like it, you're, dela you're doing a federated data source, not necessarily a federated GraphQL. Yeah, indeed, but it is what people call federation still today, and at some point it's it's maybe also still federation, I don't know what we should call it, but at least it's it's a way of showing that GraphQL is like a universal uh, way to get data from no matter which sources and take them in one specification and give it to people that develop stuff. So um, are you still seeing, you know, it, in my experience, I, I see, a lot of front-end teams pushing mm -hmm. the idea of GraphQL to yeah. the back-end teams, right? Trying to get um, the API teams to see the value of GraphQL. Yeah. <laughs> and um, have you seen a change at all in your experience over the past few years of API teams now starting to want to adopt mm -hmm. GraphQL first? Or do yeah. you feel like it's still kind of a push from the front-end teams to to, tr to try to get other folks within the com company to adopt? Well, I think it's both. Mm -hmm. I mean, also, like you said earlier, in the JavaScript world, we're really talking about GraphQL and why it's mm -hmm. so awesome, because most of us are either front-end or full-stack. Mm -hmm. So you really feel the pain from consuming these REST APIs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but looking back, when I started talking about GraphQL, I think it was like 2018. Mm -hmm. So it's like four years back now, and people came to me with questions like, how can I force my backend team to build a GraphQL <laughs> API? And today they're coming with questions uh, like, my backend team is implementing GraphQL, how can we best utilize it? How can we work together on this? That's great. So you really see the shift from why should we use GraphQL or how can we force our company to use it to we're using GraphQL today and we're having issues because uh, maybe we don't really know how to do this or are there any best practices for ABC? So you see the, uh, the shift from people actually wanting to use it to mm -hmm. using it and try to optimize for it. I think that's wonderful because I mean, I've, I've always been a big believer of GraphQL being a great way for uh, front end and back end teams to just work together better, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you agree upon, you know, a GraphQL schema or like yeah. figure out whatever middle layer you want and, and mm -hmm. you guys like actually have to collaborate and want to both make each other's lives easier versus like this, you know, I feel like, um, you know, I, I don't remember what year it was, but <laughs> initially when people were talking about GraphQL, it was sort of like that fight and that like, man, yeah. can we convince the backend team to, to do this? And so mm -hmm. it was very, um, it seemed like a very uphill battle, but yeah. enough people complain and talk about it, then enough people start adopting it. 
I always like to say, like in a perfect world, you don't really need GraphQL because you have a front-end team or a front-end person, mm -hmm. you have a back-end team or a back-end person, and they communicate, they help each other building APIs, they help each other building front-ends, and that's it. But yeah. we don't have a perfect world. You yeah. have multiple clients, you have back-end teams that want to do stuff differently, you have maybe API routes that are changing or data sources that are changing. So, Well, we love it, and we should definitely have you on to come chat about things we're excited about this new talk you're talking about so i have high hopes to see it on the conference circuit soon uh, where can we find you on twitter my handle is uh, at get hack team okay great awesome so at get hack team uh definitely give roy a shout out and uh we're excited that you're at connect tech and i guess we'll see you around yeah thanks for having me <laughs> thank you for having thank it's you been for being here <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Friends, for all of your friends and you.